that went this morning. And if you weren't here, um, we spoke about going to tell it on the mountain. The song, the Christmas song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And how much we love singing Christmas music around this time in Jesus' name. And again, I will reemphasize it just in case there's any naysayers or humbugs in the place, that today is the day that you can start singing Christmas music. So let it go. Let it be free in Jesus' name and all that sort of thing, because Christmas music is awesome. You can sing it all year round because it glorifies our Savior. And that is an incredible, incredible thing that we can exalt His name with in Jesus' name. And so the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. We want to tell it on the mountain. And we want to tell people about Jesus on that mountain and tell people about how great he ultimately is. Does anybody remember this morning the thing that Jesus hated during his life? Let's see. Wickedness. Yes, amen. He hated wickedness. And what did he love? Righteousness. Yeah, he loved righteousness, but he hated wickedness. And that's why his life here in this world was so prominent. It was so significant compared to the other people we looked at in the, the Bible that had the name Jesus. If you look, there were many other people, and even today, people with the name Jesus. But that name was significant because he hated wickedness, but he loved righteousness, loved doing the things that were right, what was good there. And he was God in the flesh, and so it was required of him to be sinless, to go to the cross and die for every single one of us in Jesus' name. And that's probably what I'm going to speak a little bit here to tonight in Jesus' name. But in Hebrews 12 and, and verse 1, and I'm, I'm just going to start there and reread this to, to remind you kind of what we spoke about with this. But in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, we see what Jesus, the, the, the prominence of Jesus and how we can begin to proclaim him to people around us. It says this, We're foreseeing we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. Again, to, to remind you, Hebrews 11, the chapter before this, speaks about people who were of faith. It says, by faith, this person did this. By faith, this person did this. And it talks about all these people inside of the Old Testament. And so what the scripture is saying here is that all these people can testify to how great God is and the things that he can do. They, they saw it, they experienced it, they were alive in those times, and they saw what God was doing through those particular purposes. It says, let us lay aside those weights, those things that hold us back, those things that hold us down, and also the sin that is around us. We as human beings have, 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 our, have our flesh, and it desires sin, and we fall into sin. None of us is without sin. It's just a matter of fact. But we have ways of getting rid of that sin by looking unto Jesus. And that brings us to verse 2 that says that. Look unto Jesus, who is the author, and he's the finisher of our faith. He's the one that writes the beginning from the ending. I, I want to remind you that in this scripture, it doesn't say that evil writes the beginning from the ending. It doesn't say that Satan writes the beginning from the ending. It doesn't say that you and I write the beginning from the ending. But it says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that begins to write that down and jot out what is going to happen inside of this world. And I don't know about you, but that gives me a huge amount of confidence that this thing isn't just going to blow up and destroy and become doomsday and become this, this thing that's moping around and man, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and all this sort of stuff. That that's not what, what, what's going to begin to, to take place of that. But Jesus has it in his hands and he knows what is going on inside of your life and he understands that the need that you have and the purpose and the abilities to walk forward. Jesus understands that. That is an incredible thing when we begin to think about what he wants to do through every single one of us in Jesus' name. 
And it causes us to say, man, why do we fear some of the things that we fear? Why do we fear darkness or evil or some of those things in this world? Why do we fear what happens in, in, in these elections and all this other, other sort of stuff out there? Why do we fear what's going on around us in, in that, that matter of fact? Yes, it's true that it might be painful right now and that we might be going through some painful circumstances, but ultimately in the end, Jesus is the one that writes the story. And Jesus is the one that says whether or not I get to walk through those pearly gates into his kingdom in Jesus' name. He's the one that, that gets to decide where I go and what happens inside of my life. It's not the president, it's not the people around me, but it is Jesus. And so that gives me an immense amount of faith in him because of the miraculous that he can begin to do inside of people's lives in Jesus name that he is that deliverer that he is that one that will pull people out of deep dark situations into good situations in Jesus name he's the one that will transform our circumstances so that we don't have to live for certain things or live against certain things in Jesus name he's that author and the finisher of our faith again the reason we can proclaim him from that mountaintop and say man have you heard about Jesus have you heard about how great he is and the promises that he wants to bring to you? Have you heard that December 25th we celebrate his birth and how amazing he truly is because he didn't come into this world just to dance around or look like a good human being and all that sort of stuff, but he came to save people and he came to finish that story that he wrote so many years ago as we read in John 1 and 1. What did it say that the word was in the beginning? And that it was existent there. It was there before creation. And then later on, we read that that word became flesh and it dwelt among us. That Jesus, that, that, that God was manifest in the flesh and came here and lived just like you and I amongst this earth. It was showing us how powerful his name was. That he did those things because he's writing a story that he wants you to be a part of in Jesus' name. And so it goes on to say this, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. We spoke about that this morning, so I'm not going to go into it in depth, but he joyfully endured that cross that was there. He was excited about going to that cross and being nailed there because he knew what would happen on the flip side of that. I mean, we, we see that his flesh, his nature, man, he was like, I don't want to do this, God. Do I, do I truly have to do this? It was his flesh praying to the Spirit and saying, man, this is going to be tough. It's going to hurt. People are going to persecute me. This isn't going to be that, that much fun. But man, you know what? On the flip side, there, there's joy in this. On the flip side, man, people are going to be able to go to this place and live with me for all of eternity as a result of this. He despised the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Speaking that we are not the ones that are our saviors, but ultimately Jesus is the one that wants to save us from those things. And so a scripture that I read very briefly this morning, and this is what I wanted to get to, that just kind of as an introduction there. I wanted to reread this scripture because there was so much importance in this scripture as well. In Acts 4 and 11, it says this, that this is the stone Sorry, I'm going kind of fast for you, brother. Acts 4 and 11. And I know I just get going and I get excited about Jesus. Is anybody else excited about yeah. Jesus and who he is? All that good stuff in Jesus' name. <clears throat> just a wonderful God. It says this. This is the stone that was set at naught 
of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, the stone that was set at not. And what it's speaking about there is that when they were building, they would sometimes set stones apart if it would not fit in to the groove of everything else that they were laying there. If it would not fit into to the other stones that were around that, they would lay those aside. And ultimately, those stones that were broken and, and that sort of thing, or that people set aside, that people thought would not have a purpose in paving that entire road, they would begin to form it into the cornerstone. And the cornerstone would be the one that holds the rest of those stones together, the one that, that solidifies it's the last piece in that block there to, to solidify what is going on. And this is what they're speaking about, that Jesus, as we read this morning, was rejected by you and I and human beings like us throughout this world. And he was set aside, yet he was the one that was holding us all together. He was the foundation that was still there. But verse 12 tells us the importance of that name and why we proclaim it in the world around us. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved this scripture it goes so much deeper than just accepting jesus as our personal lord and savior i know that that's a phrase that goes out there and yes that is a great start to living for the kingdom of god to accept jesus and say man I want to have a relationship with Jesus and who he is. But that's not the place where Jesus wants to draw the line and says, I, I, I want it to stop right here and we can't go any further than this. Let's just put a halt on this thing because there's nothing more for you after you accept me as a personal Lord and Savior. No, Jesus has so much more than that inside of his name. He says, you know what? You can accept me, but man, there is now a place that you can go with the baptismal in Jesus' name where you go down and that name washes your sins. And I, I understand we spoke about that this morning but then you come out of that water and you begin to serve God and he fills you with his spirit in Jesus name and as that spirit begins to lead you then you begin to, to, to experience some incredible things there's a name that is more powerful than any other name inside of this world and unfortunately our world we see it around people have messed this up and twisted it around to say that there are gods named Allah and, and Buddha and Baal and all these things that are out there that people serve some people decide to serve Satan out of all things and they say man this is the thing that will really give you the meat and this will give you the, the, the experience in life that you truly desire and that you want and that sort of thing but scripture doesn't say that Baal or Buddha or Allah or any of these things are what is going to be our saving grace when we come to those pearly gates in the end I'm sorry but those things are not real they are not existent they're just a stone block that's not going to do anything for you but Jesus was a real man people touched him they dwelt among him and, and in his midst they saw his miracles that he did they saw him touching people and moving things and healing blind eyes and moving the sick and the dead out of their graves into a place and a purpose in this life he was very real and that's why when we can look at the scripture we can say man there is no salvation in any other name because i have seen it in jesus and in him alone I have seen it in his power and in his presence in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord! Praise 
We have seen it in that name. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands to him for just a second in Jesus' name and let that name impact us tonight. Lord, we are so thankful for all that you have done. I'm thankful, God, that I have been able to understand and know who you are, God, in the power of your name, God. I'm thankful, God, that I have not been deceived by these things around me, Lord. I'm thankful for what you have done inside of my life in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for what you have done for my brothers and my sisters, God. I'm thankful for that cross which you endured in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for the power in that name which you have given to us. Oh, yes. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. We believe in that name because we have seen it move and work amongst us. Historians will tell you that biblical stories are real and that things have happened in those things. Scientists will try to prove it in other ways. But ultimately, we cannot deny the fact that Jesus was real and he was a real man that was born here in this world. Even when you begin to look at the, 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 the scribes and the different things of, of other nations and people that lived during that time, they wrote about this Jesus who was changing this world. He, they wrote about this man that was doing things that nobody had ever understood at that point in time. It just begins to show that, man, this guy was very real and he was very alive. And, and, and when you begin to think about it, and maybe some people will begin to debate that and say, well, how do you know that he was God in the flesh and doing all these great things? Well, we understand that you can't just begin to do those miracles without some greater power than what's inside of you in Jesus' name. That he couldn't just go around and heal people's eyes and that sort of stuff and do these things. That those aren't just fairy tale stories. But man, they're documented all over the place that this Jesus is very real. And not only that, but he is God in the flesh. Again, you can see, man, why we can proclaim him from the mountaintop. We can see why there is a world around us. There are places here with hurting people. You know, I am so thankful that, that, that God allowed me to become a police officer for a few years. I don't know how much longer it will be, but I would have never stepped places in some of those things if I wasn't in that job. I would have never stepped into some of those doors if I was never in those experiences or, or, or in that, that career that I was in for that moment. And God opened that door for a particular reason because he wanted me to see, man, this is where the hurting people are at. Man, this is where people need me. There's a desire in some of these places that, man, it needs to be poured in. And, man, it began to give me a hunger and a desire that, man, I don't necessarily care about going to Walmart and that sort of stuff. But, man, I want to go to those places where there's people who are foaming at the mouth just saying, man, I want something different because these other things just have not worked for me in Jesus. Jesus name. I wanted to go to those places where people were calling out and saying, man, I've messed up in my life and these things just aren't working anymore and I need Jesus. You see, when I went to my neighborhood and people around me that seemed to have the good houses and the cars and that sort of stuff, they weren't saying, I need Jesus. They weren't saying, I need these places because they thought that they had it all met. And when, when I would suggest Jesus to them, they would say, man, I got it all. I don't need Jesus or those things. And it would hurt and it would harm me. And I would just be like, man, this is so tough. And I would go and I pray for him. But man, going to some of those other places where there's people who are at their lowest, where there's people who desire this kingdom of God. And they, they say, man, I need something a little bit more than what I got right now. And you can begin to say, man, I have the perfect thing for you, and it's called Jesus. 
It's a one letter or one phrase. It's a one word there that I can give to you, Jesus. If you accept Jesus, man, you can walk out of that place and come out of those things and see the greatness in Jesus' name. I know Jeff isn't here tonight, and I can't talk about his testimony. I want to so bad. I want to talk about where, where he was at. If I could tell you where I dealt with him this summer and, and just the things that going over and over and over again. And, man, I searched him, and I opened up his wallet, and inside of his wallet I saw Mike Rowe with Mike Rowe's phone number on there. And I said, Jesus, you know what? You know what you're doing in this man's life right now. You know what's going on in this particular moment. And wouldn't you believe it? A few months later, Jeff is sitting in the church. And then Jeff begins to feel the desire that, man, I want to be baptized and go down in the water in Jesus' name. And then who gets to baptize him? I got to baptize him. Not It wasn't my power, but it was God's. And you know the incredible, powerful testimony that is in the name of Jesus Christ. And what he can do as a result of his power. Oh, Oh, Jesus, Sabakai. There's a world that is desiring this name of Jesus more than we ever know or we can understand or experience. There's no coincidence that you run into the same person over and over and over again. We live in a community of 35,000 people. So tell me it's a coincidence that I happen to bump into somebody on Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday and we're in complete different places and somehow I just managed to bump into them over and over and over again. No, that's not you or what you're doing. But man, it's Jesus willing to work through you telling you to reach out to somebody and say, hey, I got something for you, and it's called Jesus. It's powerful. I've experienced him, and I've seen what he can do as a result of that. We sometimes are so scared about what we might say to somebody when we present Jesus to them. We sometimes are fearful. You know, what, what if they deny me? Well, they deny Jesus as well. They, they, they struck him with whips. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They threw him in prison, that sort of thing. They did all of that. I don't think they're going to do that to you. The biggest thing they're going to say is no. No reality. That's the biggest thing somebody's going to tell you is no. I mean, is it really worth going to the car and crying over it and saying, man, I'm such a bad person in this? No. I mean, it will hurt that they rejected Jesus in, in his name. But ultimately, man, we got to reach out. And so the best thing that we can do when we speak to these people is not come up with this some great phrase of this and that and that sort of thing. But we just present Jesus to the world around us. We, we don't have to say our own testimony or whatever if you don't want to. But all that you have to say is, man, have you heard about Jesus? Did you hear that 2,000 years ago he walked around on this earth just like you and I? Did you hear that he had this flesh just like you and I? And, and man, he went to this cross and he died for you and he took away your sins. Did you hear that there's a way that you can get rid of all those stains that are upon your person right now by going down in baptism? Are you interested in, in baptism? If you are, man, just come talk to my pastor and, and he'll give you a whole Bible study and explain to you about this Jesus and who he is and that sort of thing. That's all that you have to begin to say about this incredible, amazing God that we serve. It's very easy. I understand tonight I get excited about him, but man, I love it. I could shout in my car and I could shout when I'm going down the road and that sort of thing because of how great he is. And so Colossians, finishing up these scriptures that I blew through this morning, but in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, 
it, it, it says this, and, and we're going to, to bring this up. Colossians 2 and 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything was inside of Jesus. I spoke about that this morning and very briefly. But again, just to describe that some people like to separate the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and they call it the Trinity. And, and I'm not putting these people down. Please, tonight, don't feel that I'm putting down Buddhists or Baal or, or those sort of things. I'm not putting those people down because, man, they need Jesus just as much as the next person around us in Jesus' name. But just like me, they need Jesus just like me. But we separate these things into the Trinity, and it's such a false idea because we take the power out of the name of Jesus when we begin to do that. You, you see, it, it is not some, some Trinity because, as we explained this morning, the Trinity is there, there's three different deities in, in in the true trinity, that there's three different gods or three different beings. It's, it's, it's that sort of thing. And our scripture clearly tells us one God. And Brother Kerry could probably give us a bunch of phrases that say one God over and over again in the original language in Jesus' name. But but man, we, we have these, these, these things and people are deceived by that because some people that, that believe in the trinity truly believe in one God, but they call it the trinity and it's just all mixed up and jumbled together. Well, we have to understand that God himself, the Bible says that he is spirit. It calls him the word and, and that sort of thing. It uses different phrases. There was a time when he was manifest as a fire over Israel to lead him by night, where he was a cloud to lead him as a cloud during the day and that sort of thing. That this God, he manifests himself in different forms, but ultimately he is a spirit. And that's why he can be here and he can be in an African service on the other side of the world at the same exact minute in Jesus' name, impacting people's lives at the same exact time. It was the coolest thing when I was in Haiti having church. You all were here having church, and I could pull up the live stream and be like, man, we're all having church together at the yeah. same time. That's a pretty cool thing in Jesus' name. But this God, so, so we have God here. And then when you begin to think that, that the people separate the Spirit, well, you can't separate the Spirit because if God himself, God the Father, is Spirit, it's all the same. So there we've already knocked out one, and now we're down to two. And so then we have Jesus and we have God. And when we think about Jesus, he, he was down here on this earth in the flesh just like you and I. But ultimately what it was is the Spirit of God stepped into our realm here and put on a robe of flesh or put on that flesh over top of that Spirit because Jesus, his dad, was God. And so he walked around in this earth, the fullness of God dwelling in him bodily. That's why the fullness of God was inside of him, not some trinity, but a one God that we can proclaim. And so we don't have to worry when people ask us, well, what do you pray to? That's the biggest question that I ask the, some, some people who believe in the Trinity. Who do you pray to at a, a certain circumstance? If you want repentance from sins, do you pray to Jesus because he died on the cross? Or do you pray to God because he's the one that came out with the plan and all those sort of things? I mean, it's so confusing and, and detrimental. That's why we must hold true to our doctrine that, man, we baptize in Jesus' name. We don't baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that phrase, but we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That in Jesus' name, that's where that power is at because of the cross and where he died. And it says this in verse 10. It says, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's an incredible phrase because we live in a world where so many are walking around and saying, man, maybe if I get a new truck, it will begin to, to, to bring some wholesome and that sort of thing. 
Maybe if I get the biggest, baddest mansion up in, in a neighborhood and I'm living on top of a hill with a big gate around, maybe that will bring my fulfillment. Maybe if I have a great garden and, man, I'm able to grow everything and that sort of stuff. Maybe if I build a bunker under my house. I don't know. People come up with wild ideas to try to fulfill this thing. And when I was younger, I tried to do the same thing because I did not understand Jesus or who he was. I, I think I told you all about this. That probably the first time that I actually prayed to God was when Dale Earnhardt crashed into the wall. And I said, man, God, this is pretty detrimental. And I felt so bad that Dale Earnhardt crashed into a wall and, and died. And I'm not making light of that situation. But that was the first time that I prayed. And I said, God, man, I pray that you touch this guy. I pray that you touch his family and that sort of thing and, and all of that. That was the first time I experienced God, but I didn't know that I was looking for something so much more because my friends were, were leaving me and walking away in certain circumstances, and, and people in school were doing things that weren't cool and all of that, and I didn't want to be a part of it, but I didn't know what I was being called unto. But this scripture tells us today that that is what I was ultimately looking for as a human being. That I wasn't ever going to be complete in this world without bringing Jesus as a piece of my life. And saying, man, there's a puzzle piece that is missing here. There's something in my life that is missing. And if I don't begin to fill in that piece with something else, then this thing is all going to crumble or fall apart in that. Scripture tells us very clearly that there's two people who built their houses on two different circumstances. There was one who built their house upon a rock and one who built their house upon the sand. The person who built their house upon the sand, the storms came, and the house was decimated and began to fall, and it was torn apart. But the person who built their house upon the rock, their house began to stand even in the midst of the storm. When the winds began to blow, when the times began to become tough and they didn't know what to do or understand what God was doing in their life, they said, you know what, I still have a rock that I can stand upon. I still have a rock in his name is Jesus. It's titled that right below my feet that I can stand upon it, not in disrespect, but in the ability to say that, man, this is a foundation that is unchanging. It is unwavering. It is not going to move and it is not going to be different tomorrow from today from the next day that when I show up for church, the same Jesus that is here can come with me in my car and go home with me to my parents and to my, the, the people around me and my family. They can go to my work place with me and I can begin to shine that light of Jesus. We want to shine that, but the only way you're going to become complete or a part of him is by reading the scripture and accepting him and drawing him into your life. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, the head of it all, of everything that is out there. The only reason that Satan might, might be able to knock on your door is because God allows him to. I, I would highly doubt that any of us are official enough or great enough that Satan would want to come and knock on our doors. I mean, there, there's times his, his kingdom, obviously there's going to be temptations in this world and that sort of stuff. It's probably just a, a form of, of Satan's you know, kingdom, whatever that sort of stuff is. I'm not trying to freak anybody out here, but I'm just saying that, that he has built some stuff to try to get you convinced that God is not God, that Jesus is not Jesus, that you can't do anything about it. There's a system in this world that wants us convinced of that, that to be religious is psychologically wrong or messed up. I told you about the test that I went through in the police department, that I had to go do a psychological exam, and instead of getting an A on the test, I got a B on the test, because they said I was crazy for believing in a God. They said I was crazy for having a faith in my life. 
That's what the psychologist told them. I wasn't supposed to know this report because my boss wasn't supposed to relay it to me, but, but thankfully he told me what was on there. And he said, man, they, they say that you're crazy because of this. You know what? That's just insane and it blows my mind. If they want to say that I'm crazy for believing in Jesus, then so be it. But go out there and try all those methods. Try all those doctors and those psychologists and those things out there and see how much success you'll get from those. You might begin to rank up just a little bit, but you will never understand the, the, the fullness or the joy or the freedom inside of life. You will never understand how great it is to walk down the street and say, man, I am not addicted to one thing. I am not in a place where I feel bad about one thing. But man, the only thing that and I feel bad about is sinning unto him. But man, he has delivered me from that in Jesus' name. It's why we proclaim that name and we say that he is the one that has given us the power and the ability in Jesus' name. Oh, yes, God. We are so thankful for what he has done in the midst of that. But what I'm saying in this scripture, i got to chase the rabbit there. But the head of all principality and power, what I'm saying is that if Satan comes to your door, if there's even a chance of that, it's God who allowed him to come to that place. And what that means is that we have the ability to say, you know what, I'm getting a little tired of the circumstance. I'm getting a little tired of these things coming against me. And so you know what, I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, because he is over all principality and power inside of this world, I believe that that will begin to change the circumstances around me. There's some things that God will let us go through, and I'm not saying that we're going to pray and change those things, but ultimately God will give you the tools to make it through those situations. Right. And the only way that you have those tools to make it through those situations is by praying unto him and seeking his face. You know, God will move some miraculous things and move some incredible things so that you can begin to, to see his true power. It's the only reason that we have somebody in the United Nations building right now teaching these same Bible studies, these same one God message about Jesus to, to foreign dignities and, and presidents from around the world. It's the only reason that there's somebody in there speaking these things and we can't hear exactly what goes on in there because these people would be at risk of death when they go back to their own countries. But you, you, you better bet this, that, that I, I believe it was Osama bin Laden, one of his wives, when he was taken out, one of his wives came to an apostolic service and she and her children were baptized in Jesus' name because she saw what was going on. She saw the essentiality of Jesus' name in a Muslim country. You can't just make this stuff up and say, man, there, there, there's, it's just a coincidence again. Man, that, there's, that Jesus, is he really real? I mean, why would so many people just be faking this? You could go down the list over and over and over again. You can question this thing as much as you want, but you will never understand it unless you say, man, I want a piece of that daily in my life. It says in verse 11, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of, of Christ. What this is speaking about here is a circumcision that happens in our hearts. It's a changing that happens in our lives that says, you know what? I want to be changed and transformed to him. I want to be changed and transformed to who he is in Jesus' name. But in verse 12, it says this, buried with him in baptism. I want you to, to, to this is your homework, to go home and read Luke. And, and I, 
I'm trying to think it off the top of my head. I think it's 22. If I'm wrong, you'll have to begin to read it. But it's where Jesus is betrayed, where he's taken to the cross. I want you to look into that, that chapter and study it and see all the people and the moving parts around that. Ultimately, Jesus was betrayed by some. Some let him go. You talk about a lonely place and you talk about loneliness and maybe somebody's feeling that here tonight, maybe in your marriage or yourself or whatever it may be. You talk about a lonely person. Jesus had to be absolutely lonely. He went to pray in this particular place and his apostles, the people who were supposed to be the very ones watching with him, went to sleep while he was praying. He's about to die. He's about to be taken away in handcuffs. And the people who are supposed to be his best friends at that time, they're asleep because they, they needed some rest at that time. And then the one uh, of these people who has walked with him and, and he's taken to these places where he's healed others and, and he has shown many miraculous things. The one who has experienced Jesus in all of his fullness, his name Judas, and, and he decides to, 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 for some money, give up this Jesus and, and put him down. And Jesus knows this in his prayer, but as the army's marching towards him, you know, he sees Judas, and Judas walks up and has the audacity to give him a kiss on his cheek and say, man, this is the one that you need to take away. This is the Jesus. You know, maybe they were confused about all the other names that were out there, but man, this was the Jesus that had the power and that sort of thing. Judas gave him up. Not only that, but Peter in the same chapter, denies him three different times, saying, I don't know who that guy is that you have in that court up there. I don't know who he is. I mean, right and left, Jesus is being betrayed by one after another, after another, after another. And there's nobody to turn to except for the Spirit of God, saying, God, and you're the thing that I have left. You're what's going to carry me through this sort of thing. And Jesus, inside of that whole chapter, you'll see, that there's, he gets confronted and a, thorn, thorn, a, crown, a crown of thorns put on his head and that sort of thing. He's whipped and he's beaten and he's placed on this cross and he has to carry it for miles. And he's so drained that they have to have somebody else come and help him. And thankfully, this guy was willing to help him for the last little bit. But then he gets to the cross and he's nailed to it and this cross is put up and put in this particular place. You see, Jesus was lonely in that, that place as far as what was going on around him. But he was not alone. He was not alone because the Spirit of God was dwelling inside of him in Jesus' name. The reason that I tell you that is that there may come a time in this world where we cannot meet like this. There's places in China where, man, if you met like this, that they would rush in your doors, you would be arrested, you would put in jail, you would be beat and abused, there's refined. You can look up the camps that they have over there to re-educate people about how God is not real and that you need to believe in the dictator and that sort of thing. You can see the things in North Korea where, where you can't watch this or you can't be a part of that or you can't have a Bible because if you do, you'll get arrested and beaten and destroyed and that sort of stuff. You talk about lonely, we are not lonely here, but we have our brothers brothers and sisters in this place and thank God that we do. Thank God that we have this atmosphere and we can still live inside of it. Thanksgiving just came over and, and that stuff, but we can be thankful that we still have this freedom and this ability to do these things here in Jesus' name and have him in his kingdom. That, that, that's one of the things that I remember in Haiti, that when I sat down on the bench, there was somebody that, that sat right next to me and I knew that this person would go home to a place where they did not have food, they did 
did not have air conditioning. They did not have what, you know, the, the, the things to brush their teeth. They did not have any of this sort of stuff in their life. And I was sitting here knowing that at the end of the service, I was going to go and I was going to have a good meal and it was just rice and beans. But man, I was going to go and have a good meal. But this person next to me was not going to have that. And when you begin to think about that, I began to, to question these people and ask them about that idea and that thought of what do you think of me sitting next to you being so, such, in a sense, greedy or American or whatever you want to say in that. And, and, and this person, they're just like, man, you know, I'm thankful that I don't have some of that stuff because there is no distraction in my life with those things. There is no distraction in some of those things. I mean, man, we, we go into a 30-minute prayer meeting, and, I'm, and the reason I can say this is because well, you go into a 30-minute prayer meeting, and then, man, your stomach starts to growl, and you're like, man, I'm ready for a snack. I'm hungry, and I need something. And instantly, man, you, you walk out of that prayer meeting for a snack or whatever it may be. We, we miss Jesus because of the things around us. But we are buried with him in baptism. And so when he died and went to that cross and he was buried, he walked out of that tomb and, and he rolled that stone back. The angels moved it out of his way. And he went to heaven in Jesus' name where he wanted to show us. The reason he did that is he was demonstrating to every single one of us that baptism here in Jesus' name is the same exact thing. That, that when we go to that tank, yeah, our friends around us might be saying, man, why are you doing that? You're going down in water and going into a swimming pool. I mean, maybe you enjoy the warm water, whatever it may be. But, dude, there's nothing that's different about that water and all these other things and that sort of stuff. There's people around us that will say that. But, man, we, we begin to walk towards that, and, and it doesn't matter what those people say. If they're going to fall away, let them fall away. Let them be a naysayer about it. it proclaim Jesus to them, but say, man, you know what? I'm going to set this aside. And so we walk to that tank, and, and we sit down inside of it. And then, and then somebody pronounces the name of Jesus over us, and then whoo, down in the water and back out. And we feel that power that was in there in Jesus' name. When we come out of that water, it's like Jesus stepping out of that tomb. Brand new, fresh again, saying, you know what? You went down and you were buried in that water there. Fully submerged. That's why our scripture says fully submerged. We're buried in that water. Just, I mean, it's a split second, but you come out of that water and you're brand new, just like Jesus. Man, there may be nail holes in the hand, but man, you know what? That those things that were harming me before, man, I'm free and I'm renewed from that, that, that water that was there in Jesus' name. That sin is washed away and I am cleansed, brand new in who he is. So I'm buried with him in baptism. It's not because of how great I am that my sins are washed away in there, but it's because he went to the cross. And it says, we're in also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. We must have faith in his operation. It's not our great plan or scheme. It's not our incredible worship team and preaching and all that sort of stuff that does this sort of thing. But it's his anointing. It's his plan. And it's his word that begins to speak these things to us. That, that it's here. It's written. It's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And so if anybody wants to argue, open this thing up and begin to speak to this thing right here. Because everything I've said here tonight is right here inside of this book. I didn't write anything to it or change it, but you can speak it and, and see it right from that word of God. And I encourage everyone to read it so you understand that. 
But we are risen with him. Again, I spoke to it this morning that one day we'll be flying up in the clouds, as the scripture says. And I'll be looking over at you and my brothers and sisters, and I'll have a big smile on my face because I'll be like, man, we are about ready to enter the best time of our lives. It's going to be all for eternity. And in Jesus' name, it's going to be incredible. And so it says this, the faith and operation of God who has raised him from the dead. Scripture, and I'll finish with this tonight. But scripture easily relates us that before we came and experienced this name of Jesus, before we came and experienced his baptism, that we were ultimately dead. We were like zombies walking around in this world, not having a sensation to anything around us. There's a really good message by David McGovern on that, that he spoke to the young people about zombies out of all things. It's really kind of funny. But as a zombie, you walk around and you don't feel anything. Things can get ripped off. Flesh can get torn, all that sort of stuff. But you, you're numb to what's going on around you. You have no bigger idea than just, man, I'm going to walk along and just be a zombie, a monotone, and that sort of stuff. But in Jesus' name, when we come to Jesus and we experience him in his baptism, then we come brand new with life. Something new begins to expound and we begin to understand the world around us. Why are there certain things going on? Why do I feel this way when I do these bad things? Or why do I feel this way when I do good things in Jesus' name? When you begin to experience the name of Jesus, you see how powerful it is when we begin to live for him. And so when the scripture says that he has raised us from the dead, it's literally meaning that we were walking around and completely dead to the things around us, but he has made us new creatures, brand new in who he is, buried with him in baptism. We are brand new and we can sing and we can shout because of that. We can feel his joy and we begin to have sensation back in our lives again and saying, man, I could come to a worship service and it's the best high that I've ever had in my entire life. It's an incredible, incredible atmosphere in Jesus' name. We can begin to seek him in Jesus' name. And so I would like our singers to come tonight. And if you all could stand with me as we conclude this thing. I believe that God has spoken something here tonight as we have concluded this today. And I pray that you this week, over the next coming weeks, will take Jesus and that you will go tell it on the mountain. That you will proclaim it to people around you because you will begin to see, man, you know what? I, I have this long list. And if you didn't take notes, you can go back and watch the video or listen to the podcast. But you can walk around inside of Walmart and say, hey, man, have you seen my list about Jesus and how good he is and what he can do? You can proclaim that to people invite them to Christmas service invite them to, to, to these things that are going on around here because we want people to understand and experience Jesus like we have in Jesus name if you want to come to this altar as we sing tonight you are certainly welcome to but let's lift our hands and let's give this to Jesus tonight as we sing in Jesus name you're you welcome to pray unto him in Jesus name I believe it's on it's just blackout it? yes okay. it was okay. just on brother you don't have to do thank uh, you nothing Jesus. else yes I'm going to give you the opportunity tonight you, to just Jesus. spend some time with this amazing Jesus that we have talked about tonight. Um, this song is just a song that's been on my heart over the last couple of weeks. I feel like tonight's the night for it. It's called Nothing Else.
coming back to where we started I first fell in love You're all that mattered, Jesus You're all that mattered, Jesus You're all that mattered, Jesus Yes, Lord Take me back, take me back Take me back to my first love Take me back, take me back Take me back to my first love Take me back, take me back Take me back to my first love Take me back, take me back Take me back to my first love Yes, Lord God, thank you, Jesus Only you can satisfy, Lord Jesus only you satisfy, only you satisfy, and only you satisfy my heart. Cause only you satisfy, only you satisfy, and only you satisfy my heart. Cause only you Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence here tonight, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank hallelujah. you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I pray tonight that you would take this Jesus and continue forward. Never let him go in your life. Never, ever let him go. Even when things get hard, even if it's the toughest thing, let other things go, but don't let Jesus go or his name. Please enjoy him this Christmas season. Enjoy this time.
and let him be the one that impacts you to tell it on the mountain. I want to just pray for you, and then we'll dismiss tonight in Jesus' name. God, I am so thankful for every one of these that are here tonight. God, I pray that your blessings would pour upon every one of them, God, that it would pour into their household.